Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another segment of the Cisco Falzone Hour Broadcast in Politics. We took a two-week break, but we're back, and we're coming back stronger than ever. Live from Texas, update children's crisis at the border. My guest tonight, Richard Battle, a fifth-generation Texan, longtime Lone Star State Business Community Leader, award-winning author, and he's going to be updating us and the audience on this rapidly changing story that's hitting him so close to home. So Richard should be here in, a, in about a couple minutes, but let me touch on quite a few things that have been happening. You know, I've been focusing on the current situation with coronavirus, what's going on not just in the United States, but all over the world, because I like to see the big picture. And one of the things that I've noticed is, and I think more, more people are beginning to notice, is the vaccination passports. Now, I thought we only had one passport or maybe two, you know, if you come from a different national or you apply to become uh, a citizen of that country. Now we have the vaccination passports that are basically being pushed all over the world. One of the, uh, one of the interesting parts about the vaccination uh, passports is that it's not just a passport to get you on a plane. It's a passport that will limit you or enhance your capabilities to go to the store, to go to any entertainment events, to go anywhere. So as, as the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, which I think would be a great candidate to be uh, president of the United States, he said, and I quote, you're creating two different types of classes of citizens, the vaccinated ones and the unvaccinated ones. And he basically went ahead and signed an executive order, an executive order indicating that he will not have anyone, anyone who's a Floridian be put in that position of showing proof that you have been vaccinated. I think that takes a lot of courage, especially in the type of a polarized environment that we are currently living. Definitely, he is someone that I feel has taken a, a position and he's running with that position because vaccination passports are totally illegal. It's and again, I said it from, on this program from the very beginning. This is more about control. Yes, there is a virus. I don't deny that. But the, 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 the major point is control. And the control is what gives the powers to be when you are forced or are mandated to have a vaccination passport. On another issue, which again is I've been focusing on COVID, in in the state of Colorado, I mean the state of Michigan, you know we've been told yes, get vaccinated. If you get vaccinated, you you it'll protect you against COVID. That's what we've been told, right? So, 246 fully vaccinated people in Michigan. Guess what? They tested positive for COVID. <laughs> and three people from those 246, 246 died. So what is that telling you? What is that telling you? Guys, there seems to be, there seems to be a constant rise coming out of the so-called experts that are running this comedy comedy nightmare um, that we are experiencing. But I will tell you, 
more people, I'm very, very happy that more people are beginning to wake up. And that's a good thing because if we don't wake up, we are in deep trouble. So um, calling on. How are you? Good evening. Good evening. Welcome to the Cisco and Falcon Hour of Broadcasting Politics. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of folks uh, have been waiting for two weeks to, to really have you on the program. Can you, um, I, I briefly gave a description of who you are and the book, uh, but is, is there anything else more that you can uh, tell our audience in regards to, you know, who you are? Well, I'm a fifth-generation Texan, uh, had global business responsibility, a lot of civic responsibilities, authored seven books, mm-hmm. and uh, have a vast interest in current affairs, among other things, based right. on a common-sense approach. Fantastic. So one of the, one of the things that caught the attention of uh, a lot of folks, uh, a lot of the... Uh, listening audience was the uh what's currently happening in in, uh, in texas especially around the the rio grande and 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 the southern border of texas um and it's becoming a really critical area because during the during the last four years of the past administration the perception was that there was the country was in control of the border. Today, we are seeing that the country and this administration does not have control of the border. What's your take on it? Well, I think you're absolutely correct. And the thing that amazes me that's different this time than in other times when the border has been overrun, but it's never been like this. Previously, it's always been a border state issue, Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and California. And we would yell for help, and most of the rest of the country would yawn because they (laughs) viewed it as a regional issue. But it is now a national issue and a couple of data points, and I believe it's a national issue because President Obama uh, shipped illegal immigrants all over the country several years ago. Mm -hmm. And those communities were taxed to pay for health care, housing, food, education, and other things for these illegals with real tax dollars versus uh, the phony money that the federal government prints that we don't feel the pain when they spend it as much as we do our local tax dollars. And another proof of that to me, I just saw a story today that 275 sheriffs have written uh, the Biden administration asking them to make the changes to return where we were last year and they come from 39 states. So that tells me they recognize locally it's a problem. So that makes every state a border state now. Yeah, as you mentioned, it it is a national crisis, and apparently to the current administration, they're not concerned. But I think there there is some hope. Uh, I don't know to believe it. I'll believe it when I see it um, in regards to – Supposedly, quietly, the Biden Biden administration is actually continuing to finish up on the wall. What do you? What's your 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 perception or your take on that? Well, if they do it, I'll believe it. But based (laughs) on what they've said and what their actions have been to this point, I think it's another smokescreen, just like it was appointing the vice president 15 uh, days ago to be the responsible person to take care of the issue. Uh, I think it's all talk and no action. Definitely. And one of the, one of the uh, alarming things, uh, and it's been, it's been around for for quite a while is the actual trafficking of kids and women and, and, and the human trafficking aspect. Uh, I think, we're at a point, at a very alarming point, where the, the current administration is not even 
checking the backgrounds of some of the staff that is actually monitoring and managing some of these children, which basically opens the door for a lot of, you know, pedophiles and, 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 and uh, predators. That's absolutely the case. When they asked for volunteers the other day, which just showed how out of control the situation is, they were begging for government workers from around the country and others to volunteer to work in these facilities, and they're not doing any background checks at all going in. And if that was a business doing that and opening up for potential pedophile or other issues, there'd be all kinds of lawsuits and legal liabilities for anybody else trying to do that. But they are getting away with it, uh, but it also illustrates there is no control, and they're just flying by the seat of their pants right now. Definitely. So why are more children waiting longer in Border Patrol custody in these facilities, in your in your opinion? Well, and, and first, I think it's important to state the numbers. I mean, the last number I heard the last day or so was 19,000 children are in custody. And the numbers of how much it costs go as high as $775 per day, which is three billion dollars or more a year and the reason that they're there is because our policies and statements incent them to be there and that's the way they've been set up to be brought in they're the anchor children uh, mm-hmm. parents are pairing them up with coyotes with adults to come across the border uh, the right. adults drop them and then they're left with u.s government help and so the whole thing is set up based on our policies. Definitely. And it's actually given the, the cartels on, on, on the other side of the border an opportunity to continue their business of trafficking humans and, and, and illegal drugs. Yes, absolutely. And it's amazing for a party that does not like free enterprise or capitalism they allow the cartels to be the most capitalistic organization in the globe right now. Supposedly they're making up to $14 million a day just yeah. in the trafficking revenue, not counting the drugs, weapons, right. uh, or other types of sex trafficking or, or human trafficking that, that they're doing. Right. Probably they've been lobbying quite hard in Washington. Well, they certainly have the money to do so. We know how money talks in Washington, don't we? Definitely, definitely, definitely. I I had to throw that in, you know, just just to uh, put some some humor into this because it's pretty sad, this this whole scenario. And also, according to a lot of the reports, a lot of dead bodies are being found right across the path that takes uh, a lot of these migrants, illegal migrants, uh, to into into Texas, they're finding a lot of the ranchers are finding dead bodies, and there's been an increased number of them. I mean, this is not this this is just totally inhumane. Well, yes, and it's sad, and the saddest part about it is it's preventable. We know how to do it. We've done it before. And so not to do it now, to me, is almost criminal negligence. And, yes, you're right, Uh, but it's worse than what you described. Yes, ranchers find dead bodies on their properties, and that's that's common. And any of the ranchers down there will, will tell people that they've done that for years, but the numbers are higher now. But we're hearing reports of drownings in the Rio Grande, uh, there's no telling how many die on the way to get to the river, right. for example, in Texas. So there's all kinds of carnage. And then, of course, the psychological trauma to the children, uh, there's sexual abuse going on, the women and the children, and even the young men are being sexually abused in some cases. Right, right. There's, there, there's, there's been a growing number of cases uh, that have been documented. I mean, as a matter of fact, uh, I believe Governor Abbott just basically confirmed child sex abuse and neglect of children on the southern border. And, and, and that's, I mean, for the governor 
and he's been very vocal about it. But I think at this point now we are actually confirming based on his observation and, 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 and evidence that there is a growing number of sexual abuse and rape and t- totally disgusting acts that are being, are being performed against, against the will of these children. Yes, and I think that he uh, did a statement yesterday from the location in San Antonio where there are about 1,300, I think, being kept. And I think he was saying that there was actual sexual abuse going on inside that facility. Right, right. Uh, Yeah, and this is the first hand because we've heard about the whole aspect of, of sexual abuse, but now it's coming from the governor. And, and that's someone that basically would not say something like that unless he has confirmation that that is actually happening. But well, absolutely, and, and he's putting uh, the mouth, his mouth, and the mouth of Texas behind that because Operation Lone Star. They've sent 500 troops down there. There's been 800 million dollars committed to try to help finish the wall and for other security on the border in Texas from Texas taxpayers. Right, right. So one of the things that I've been, I've been looking at um, is that this whole process of allowing this number, an increased number of uh, illegals to cross the border also involves the future of politics within the, the current administration and the current party. Uh, because a lot of these individuals that are being allowed to immigrate here are basically not being sent to blue states or blue cities. They're being sent to red states and red cities. So there's a political uh, aspect to this whole agenda. Would you agree? Well, as, as I tell people, I think Stevie Wonder can see that that they're importing future future voters. And I was yeah. talking with a host the other day who, who thought I was a little off base saying that, but I said that in some states, illegals can get driver's license. And driver's license is the ticket to a voter registration card. Right. And so we see in different states rules being lessened to make it easier for illegal uh, aliens to be able to get voter registration uh, cards. Well, in due respect to whoever the host was, he's out of touch. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes, absolutely. And uh, she did not realize that uh, the driver's license was the ticket uh, to that because of the state she was in. And but that's that's it in a lot of states, and we've already seen that loosened in several states to make that easier. And I guarantee you, if we said that illegal aliens would not be able to vote for 25 years, uh, there'd be a different attitude by everyone toward allowing them in. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I I've told numerous uh, individuals from our listening audience that that. That's the driving force, you know. They're, you know, they're they're basically they they. My observation, and this may sound like a conspiracy, but I, you know, we've seen enough with what happened in November, uh, and they're looking at they're looking at each county, they're looking at each and saying, "Up, oh, we just need a little more people here, and we'll basically change the demographics, and we'll be winning that area." Because you know, Texas, Texas is. A state that the current administration, current party, political party, they want to, to convert and turn over. Yes, and and what I would say is that uh, it's interesting. I, I go out of my way to talk to naturalized citizens, yes. and every one of them, when I ask them about this issue, they say they don't mind immigrants, but they ought to come legally, legally yes. like they did. And what was interesting last November was along the Texas border, primarily Hispanic, they voted in higher numbers for President Trump than they did four years ago because the legal citizens of Texas that are Hispanic 
heritage know what the illegals mean to them. And this is not a racial issue. I was married to a lady from Laredo, Texas, for 20 years. The Hispanic people are wonderful, hardworking, God-fearing family people. And so it's not racial. It's legal versus illegal. That's the issue. It it, it definitely is uh, not a racial issue. It's more on... um, it's become it's become a, a political. Uh, it's been polarized to be more political than anything. Um, you mentioned Laredo. Laredo is right on the southern border. I mean, uh, and I and I've been to the to the Rio Grande, and I can see that on the uh, on the uh, on the other side of there is Nuevo Laredo, which basically that's how they go. They they cross right into using the Rio Grande, which is yeah. not. Not not a, a, a an easy uh, commute. Very dangerous. Those those currents can turn on you any time. Yes, and of course the border Texas Mexico border is twelve hundred and fifty four miles long, which can boggle a lot of people's minds. And so it has a a wide variety of terrain. Places where a wall works, places a wall won't work. Uh, the river is a variety of widths at different places, and so it takes a very customized security uh, solution to try to minimize illegal people coming across. And so, yes, uh, but it used to be that we would go across the, the border to eat dinner, to shop, to do different things mm-hmm. uh, years ago. And there is no way I would do that now because of the security issues. Uh, it is not safe to go across the border right now with the cartels operating like they are. And the sad thing is, is if we do not forcefully respond, they will end up controlling and taking power in some of the border cities on the U.S. side right. and exerting power over law enforcement in our cities. And so we cannot allow that to happen. No, 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 and, and and I'll tell you the uh, border patrol, they do a great job. I mean, they they are short staff. I mean, short-handed, and they do a great job with the resources that they have. Um, so, in, in, yeah, in, yes. In, in regards to well, the, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say you're absolutely right. And an interesting, I think they're probably one of the most underappreciated law enforcement agencies of all our underappreciated law enforcement agencies. But what what also is amazing is the high percentage of those officers of Hispanic heritage, mm-hmm. which again is further proof that the issue is not one of race, but one right. of legal versus illegal. Yes. As a matter of fact, the majority of the uh, Border Patrol officers are of Hispanic descent, and you're absolutely correct, especially in, in, uh, on the southern border. Um, now, there's another issue that, that really has been bugging me for a, for a long time, because in 2014, uh, no, 2016, when, when, when the former president, Donald Trump, took uh became president, excuse me, uh, there was criticism uh, regarding the cages. You know, it was interesting. You know, it, these cages were actually created during the previous administration, which was the Obama administration in 2014. So when when the, when Donald Trump took over, they, they started showing these cages and, and individuals in the cages, kids, and it was like, well, he, you know, he's inhumane. And then we find out that it was the previous administration that created, and all these politicians in Washington just basically were embarrassed because they, they basically spoke before they actually investigated. Now, 2021, the conditions are even worse. What do you? What, what's your take on that? <laughs> well, that's that's absolutely true, and the people are crowded in there more than they were during the Trump administration. And the other piece of this that got misreported widely was about how children were ripped 
away from their parents' arms. Right. And what people don't realize is that most often the kids were paired up with strange adults because single adults were deported automatically. And so they would pay the coyotes to be matched up with a kid and cross the border. And so with the Trump administration, they realized that a lot of these kids were not with family. And so they separated them to protect the kids from being dumped along the side of the road, from being abused. And then they did DNA testing to see if they were really related or not. And that got lost in this ripping the kids from the arms of their families narrative that came out, which was totally false. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, 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 it backfired. On, on the previous admin, on, on the current administration, because right now they're basically they're not even allowing senators to take pictures of of um, the children. They're preventing. You know, one of the things we heard from the current administration it was transparency. Well, there has not been transparency at all. <laughs> No, not only is there not transparency, but I've been tracking since this issue became so hot, uh, New York Times and CNN websites, and there are no stories about the border issue at all. And so this administration is trying to hide this issue with other news stories. They're trying to bury it, hoping it will go away and they will not be held accountable for what they're doing. And you know what? I know how they're hiding it. There's been more gun shooting and mass shooting in the last couple of months during this crisis and basically has deviated that, the attention to we got to focus on the, on the gun, gun issue. Um, yes. 732-865, you have a question for Richard Battle. Uh, actually, I don't. I wanted to say hello, uh, Cisco. It's Mark. Oh, Mark, yeah. Well, welcome. Yeah, well, welcome. I, you know, it, we've been hit or miss lately, so I I, did, I was preoccupied. So I thought, ooh, it's 927. No, no, nope. Let me call in. But you know what? No problem. Uh, there's no point even discussing what's going on at the border. They lie, deceit, obfuscate, cover up. They're Marxist. <laughs> They're scum. So we won't really know what's going on. They'll hide Welcome it with back. the media. You, you, you know the thing that cracks me up? If we go full uh, Khmer Rouge, who do these idiots who work at the newsrooms and whatnot uh, think they're going to be uh, in this immune bubble, uh, you know, from, from uh, the American Khmer Rouge? You know, because that's the last stop on this train. We all know that, right? Definitely, definitely. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm happy to to hear your voice again. Seven three two seven three two five three nine. Do you have a question for Richard? Hello. I guess not. Move on. Okay. Okay, Richard. They, they, you're, you're basically uh, capturing the, and mesmerizing them. Uh, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's talk about your latest book, Navigating Life's Courses, Common Sense, and Chaotic Times. I love the title. Well, and uh, that book, Navigating Life's Journey, Common Sense, and Uncommon Times, which is often confused with the previous book, Common, uh, Conquering Life's Course, Common Sense, and Chaotic Times, uh, and I'm sorry that you got the information from our folks. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry it came that way. But it's 40 bite-sized chapters of common sense that basically are the principles and values that help build this country and help celebrate America. And so as I tell people, if, if they've lost hope, this has hope in it. If they're discouraged, they will be encouraged. If they're down, it will lift their spirits and inspire them because I have 250 examples of people, places, and events that celebrate the possibilities. Even though we're having this challenging time, we still have great opportunities in this country. And, mm -hmm. and so I want people to be able to know that we can still chase our dreams and we can still be what we want to be. 
and there are people doing it, and there are people that have done it in the past, and I hope to try to help people as they chase their dreams. Well, definitely, definitely. I, 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 I'm, I'm looking forward to reading and, and getting the book, and uh, I love the title, uh, even even though, it, you know, it may not be uh, exactly the way it was supposed to be, but... <laughs> yeah, I apologize. No problem. Who are we now, to say? Who, who are we to say? <laughs> now, in, in regards to the, the the current chaotic times that we're having, I mean, we, we have the crisis in the border. Uh, Russia and the Ukraine may be going to war. Japan, I mean, China and Japan. China and Taiwan may be going to war, and then Japan may be attacking China. Yeah, that one China. is scary. That is scary, uh, I, this Chinese-Taiwanese situation. Uh, yeah. If it happens, uh, tens of millions of people could be killed on both sides, yes. you know, total. Oh, yeah. It's uh, a, a horror. I mean... What are they going to do to the island of Taiwan? Are, are they going to nuke it? Because doesn't Taiwan have nukes? They they do it, and, and it's it's interesting. Uh, I've been I've been to Taiwan and I've been to China. Uh, in Taiwan, you, actually from from the city of Taipei, you actually can see the South China Sea. I mean, you can see parts of China. So they're very close. It's like Cuba to the Florida Keys. Very close. You can see. You can see it. Uh, I would say that Taiwan may be a smaller country, but they are really technology driven and military oh, driven. Oh yeah, so, yeah. They yeah, have yeah. muscle. So no I, doubt about that. Yeah. There's muscle. Yeah. But, but do they yeah, have nukes? Do you know that? I do not. I do not. Oh. But, but Richard, these chaotic times that I just described. How do you see that? Because it's not just chaotic times in, in, in our country. It's chaotic times around the world. Well, that's absolutely correct. And, and the thing that makes it scary is our leadership vacuum in Washington right now. And let me give you an example. It ties to the border issue, but it touches every one of those issues that you just pointed out. Uh, the last week or so, people have been asking, how come the vice president has not gone to the border yet or had a press conference about the border after Joe Biden appointed her the lead on that. Well, I think that question is beyond now. That question is not the right question at this time. In my mind, the right question is to Joe Biden. Uh, Mr. President, you directed her to take care of this problem. She obviously is not doing anything. What is your policy about insubordinate employees? That's the question, because if he will not do anything about her being insubordinate, then what would he do about other employees being insubordinate? And then what threat would he be to other countries that are doing things in violation of agreements that we have? So it just shows him to be a very, very weak leader when we need someone strong. Right, right. That's uh, very well said. Uh, But I I think also – in the previous administration, we got a lot more respect from the outside world. It appears to me, especially when we have not had a State of the Union, we have not really had someone who's taken charge and talked to leaders like Jinping in China and Putin in Russia to a point where they know that America it's not going to just sit back and take abuse. We have not had that, well, and I, th- I think that that's, that's – go ahead, um, Mark. Well, I, I think that they're seeing the same policy that was during the Obama administration and even weaker, and you're correct. President Trump, I think, had respect because he negotiated from power – like President Reagan did, as opposed to weakness. And those people knew that he was not only a negotiator, but he was not there to give up things to make himself look good or for future power or money. He was there to do things to help the American people. 
And, and I'll give you an example of, of one of the things based on his negotiating style that, that I kind of laughed at compared to the media when they were talking to the Chinese about the tariffs and whether to have them or not. And President Trump told the media that we're not meeting with the Chinese. They're not ready to meet yet. Well, the way the media reported that was was that the U.S. was weak and that we weren't able to meet with the Chinese because they wouldn't meet with us. But the way I heard that based on my knowledge of President Trump's negotiating abilities was we're not meeting with the Chinese because they don't have their mind right, and we don't want to give them a meeting. They've not earned it yet, which right. is exactly the opposite situation. And that, to me, is what's so important because – President Trump was able to negotiate like that with other countries as well from strength as opposed to weakness. Exactly, exactly. Now, you, you were appointed by the former Governor uh, Rick Perry uh, to the Texas Judicial Council and the Texas Emerging Technology Fund. How was that experience, and how's that, how has that helped you in, in, in writing the, the, book that you, the books that you've written? Well, that's that's a great question, and the experiences were terrific. Uh, I got to serve in the Judicial Council for eight years, and it was chaired by the uh, Chief Justice of the Texas Supreme Court, and its function was to try to make the Texas judicial system better for the citizens of Texas. The Texas Emerging Technology Fund was basically a state venture capital fund to try to help bring high-tech businesses to Texas, and the first piece of business I got to vote on was an incentive for SpaceX to build a launch facility in South Texas. So that was really a great experience because we know SpaceX is bringing us back to preeminence in the space program. And I don't think anything directly helped on the writing, but the experiences helped contribute to other experiences I have, which provide me perspective and examples to try to share those values that we talked about a minute ago that are pro-American and pro-individual liberty that our forefathers sacrificed to give us and that we need to preserve for our children and grandchildren. Yeah, definitely. I think, I, I think uh, SpaceX and, and other, you know, Texas has, has had uh, uh, the economy continues to grow more companies are moving to Texas. Now, that could be a good thing and that could be a bad thing because the (laughs) ones that are moving from the blue states is bringing all that blue state mentality to Texas. What's your take on that? Well, yes, and it is unbelievable how many people from California are moving in in the area that I live in. It seems like everyone that I run into moved from California in the last week or two. And they're coming by the tens of thousands. I think we've we've grown by 400,000-plus in the last two or three years. It's just phenomenal. And you are correct. There are pluses and minuses, and that uh, it's it's not a always a good situation. If my taxes went down because they all came, I'd feel a lot better about it. But my taxes continue to go up regardless of how many more taxpayers there are. That's that's definitely true. Now, one, one, one of the exciting things that I think is, is, is happening, um, especially with Governor, Governor um, Abbott, is the, he went ahead and said to Major League Baseball, I'm not going to throw out the first pitch in, when, it, when the Texas Rangers in their home opener. And I, and I said to myself, you know, if more politicians took a position, I would respect them more for that. You know, instead of just basically going uh, like let's get al- let's get along uh, policy. Policy. I think Governor Abbott took a, a, a strong position in, in in regards to the the situation with uh, elections uh, election uh, fraud, and uh, which basically in the state of Georgia. They, the lawmaker said, "You know what? We're modifying this. You're going to need voter ID, and and, and that's tough. You know, if you, if you want to take uh, the All Star Game and, and 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 the draft, it's okay. 
and I think the fact that Governor Abbott went ahead and, and, and took that position was, um, I found it to be really courageous. What's your take on that? Well, absolutely. And just for your audience that's unaware, uh, Texas is debating election law modifications right now. And the way the press is reporting it is it's restrictive election law. In other words, they're reporting it in what I call a biased fashion that it will restrict voting. Well, it will help reduce fraud. That's the main thing. And the administration side never talks about election integrity. They only talk about convenience. We don't want convenience. We want election integrity. One person, one vote, period. So Governor Abbott, yes, he stood up because of our discussions right now that are going on. And the Republicans in Texas are trying to get businesses to stay out and stay neutral on that debate. The liberal side of the spectrum, they're encouraging businesses to use their quote-unquote platform as advocacy. And that's what they're doing with sports figures. That's what they did with Major League Baseball, which really upsets me because I'm a baseball guy and played my whole life and still play senior softball. And it it (laughs) upsets me to no end that they're injecting politics in sports regardless of what side the sport took. I don't think there should be politics in sports or entertainment, period. Oh, I, I absolutely agree with you. I'm, uh, my first love was baseball. You know, I used to sleep with my bat and my glove under my bed as a kid. So, uh, <laughs> you know, baseball, but I, I, um, I'm not happy with what has trans- transpired in, 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 in Georgia. You know, you know, and I think I, I commend the Georgia lawmakers in, 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 in what they did. Um, yeah, and my, and my question, if I were on the board of directors of Coca-Cola, for example, I would be upset with a CEO that took a stand and upset half of my market potential. Mm-hmm. Because why do you need to do that? I think Michael Jordan was very smart because he never got on one side of a political issue because he realized that both sides of the political issues bought sneakers and T-shirts and other things, and he wanted yes. to sell everybody. Yeah, he stayed out of the political forum, and, 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 and I respect him. I still respect him for, for, for doing that. Uh, yes. But I think, I, I think one, one of the th- key things that maybe people have overlooked uh, because, you know, all the criticism that went against uh, Governor Kemp in, in Georgia and the lawmakers, the state in the uh, in the uh, in the House in the Georgia legislators, is the fact that the state of Georgia has a higher percentage of African Americans and African American business people. Now they moved the All Star Game to Denver, which has only ten percent African Americans. So basically, I'm saying to myself, that does not make sense. They just hurt a large, a large community by taking the sport because of election integrity. Yes, and, and the other thing that's interesting, they're playing the Masters Golf Tournament this week. No one advocated moving it. Uh, it's televised by CBS, one of the biggest woke media companies there are. Uh, my, last time I saw CNN was headquartered in Atlanta. Yeah. How come CNN wasn't the first one to move out of Georgia? And it's, it's interesting how they'll advocate it for others, but they don't always do it themselves. It's called, it's called hypocrisy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there are double standards. And if, if the left didn't have double standards, they'd have no standards at all. <laughs> yeah, the uh, commissioner's uh, yeah. reaction was clearly a knee-jerk reaction to some bad mm-hmm. advice and information. Uh, yeah. I'm sure some of the owners were kicking him in the fanny about this. Uh, you know, and then, you, you know, Cisco mentioned the uh, uh, proportion of black-white citizens to the site they moved to versus Georgia. You know, it's, it's heavily white yeah. in that area. And, and yes. not only that, Colorado has more stringent voting rules 
than yes. Georgia just implemented. So this guy yes. really well, put, yes, his, and put his foot in big time. Yes, and my understanding is is that he he did this only talking to the executive committee, which was eight teams, and that there were 22 teams that heard about this on the news and didn't know it was going to happen. And they are very, very upset uh, about this because they realize that all of the teams are going to suffer from people not attending games, et cetera. Exactly, exactly. Uh, getting back, since we've, we've drifted away, because I wanted to touch on other uh, topics, but getting back to the, this whole thing with the uh, the number of, uh, of kids and women and, and, and men in cages uh, on, in the different facilities in South, Southwest Texas, the, the aspect of COVID, the six-foot distancing between each individual, that seems to be non-existent in these facilities. And then they're dispatching all these individuals to areas and they have been, some of them, or a good number of them, have been tested for, for COVID. We have a big push for mass vaccinations by the current administration. And at the same time, we're allowing all these individuals to have COVID into these communities. What's your perspective on that? <laughs> yeah, and it's. First thing is, last month we intercepted 171,000 illegals. Mm -hmm. God only knows how many we didn't intercept that got in. Right. Who had COVID, who brought drugs, weapons, who knows what. So that's, the numbers we talk about that are so astounding are, are only a fraction of some other number. Second thing is the federal government was not doing any COVID testing. The only COVID testing was being done by the local communities, and as of a, a week or so ago, Brownsville, Texas alone had had, had 300 positive tests. Wow. Wow. Um, so that is astounding. And, yes, you're right. Uh, they're shipping kids all over. Uh, McAllen, Texas, Sunday week ago, 40% of the passengers going out were illegals with tags around them saying that they didn't speak English, and they were being given tickets to who knows where all over the country and who knows what they were bringing. And not only COVID, but they're bringing diseases in that we eradicated in the U.S. decades ago. Right. And so there's all kinds of other disease possibilities coming back. Right. And, and, and again, this, this is, it goes, again, the hypocrisy on one side of his mouth, he's saying, well, we got to vaccinate before May, May 19th or June 19th. That's, that's, or that's, if, you know, you, if you want to enjoy July 4th, you have to get vaccinated. Otherwise, you cannot celebrate July 4th with your family. And then on the other hand, <laughs> on the other side of the mouth, you're basically saying, okay, you guys, you know, go out. We're dropping you off here, and that's it. So, <laughs> Yes, and, and of course, I'm thankful to be in Texas. The statewide mask mandate's over. Individual right. businesses can mandate mask, but I can tell you from uh, traveling in the city of Austin, it's a pretty heavy mask wearing. If you get outside the city, it's much, much less. And by the traffic from me driving from Austin toward Dallas today, the, the state is wide open in business right now, and people are living their lives. Definitely, definitely. Now, what's, what, what should be done with the hundreds of children that are being apprehended daily? at a higher rate. You well, know, it, first thing, mm -hmm. Well, first thing I was going to say is, is we need a message. If we want to get control, we need to say the border's closed, period. Anyone caught will be deported, period. All of the ones we've intercepted will be deported, period. If you want to come in, you apply for asylum while you're in Mexico, period. Uh, that's the type of thing that once we said that and backed it up with action like President Trump did, then people would stop paying coyotes five or $6,000 a person to transport right. them to the border. So what do you think is the role of 
Mexico and the Central American countries because in my my feeling is that the current administration has been really weak in dealing with uh, the current president of Mexico, which, by the way, he's a socialist. And a lot of the Central American uh, governments are, are to the left. He has not really done anything to say, you know, you guys got to stop this. You know, you got to put a control of it. Mm-hmm. Well, the president of Mexico has communicated with uh, Biden and, and tried to get him to stop encouraging people from coming because it's costing them money and resources as people come through their come through the country of Mexico from Central America. And so they've tried to do that and I think President Trump had really good relations with Mexico and Guatemala yeah. and yeah. Honduras and and the other countries because they were they were helping and we were doing things to try to help those countries as well. Uh, which is much better for us doing that uh, than letting them come up here. Gallup did a survey a week or so ago of Central and South America to how many people would like to come to the United States. Forty-two million. <laughs> Forty-two uh, million. So if we don't say something and do something to stop this, that's the future. Yes, I think I it's question. basically. Go ahead. Hi, Vicky. Yes. I was just, I'm just, I'm listening to all this and it's my head spinning and it's giving me anxiety, <laughs> but uh, it, it truly is. But, the, I mean, our country was doing well be, before Biden came in. And it seems that this man doesn't know his own name, let alone what he's doing with the country. And whoever is in charge they're not in charge of anything. I, I mean, I don't get it. Like, what's going to happen to our country in the end? I mean, all this stuff that you've been talking about, it this didn't happen before. This is just happening. All, all, there's so much garbage going on. It's, like, unbelievable. And I understand there's, like, 4,000 kids that are supposed to be in the 400 range only in their cages or their beds or wherever the hell they're at. You know, that's another thing. <laughs> you know, there's so many different questions. <laughs> I think it's I think it goes right down to the current I can't, I can't even call him a president. I just call him Beijing Biden. <laughs> I mean it's that he doesn't know what he's doing and he's got people that are in charge that don't know what they're doing and they're all socialists. And I think we're in big, big, big trouble. I don't know what else to say. I just, I'm all confused. No. That, that was well, well said. Yes, well, I appreciate that. And the only thing I would differ on is I don't think this is happening because they don't know what they're doing. I think they know exactly what they're doing because it's too obvious, and and we know how to stop it. And so there is a solution that has worked, and they are not doing it on purpose. And that, that to me is what's most disturbing. Now, you ask, what is the hope? My hope is Democrat elected officials around the country. We're seeing it with the Congressman Cuellar from Laredo, the mayor of Eagle Pass and Del Rio, which are border cities in Texas, Democrats, and they're Hispanics. And they are pleading with Joe Biden to stop this because they cannot afford it in their communities. So as they disperse these people around the country, I'm hoping Democrat elected officials will say to the the president, we can't take them, we can't afford them, our taxpayers are up in arms, Uh, please stop this, because they will not listen to the Republicans. Right. Uh, 254-654, you have a question for Mr. Battle. A comment. Okay, I wish we had had... Yeah, I wish we had had people like that talking to the Native Indians, and we wouldn't have as much problems as we do now. I think when you start letting people into the borders, then they start taking over the United States, America, Mm -hmm. like they did the Indians. That's my comment. Very good comment. Uh, Richard? 
Well, I I think that the culture will change, and one of the sad things compared to 50 or 100 years ago is the lack of assimilation. And it used to be people came to a, the United States and they wanted to be Americans. And they we had a common culture, even though people would keep their heritage and celebrate it, we were Americans. And then all of a sudden we had the hyphenated Americans, and now we have dual citizen Americans. And the lack of loyalty to America has dropped significantly, and that hurts us not only domestically, but that is a national security risk for us as well. True. Just like the Indians have their own national security. Yes. Can't dispute that. Good point. Good, good, good comment. Uh, 512961, you have a question for Richard Battle. (laughs) Yes, I do. You are, Um, yeah, you are on the air. Okay. I wanted to know what the difference between the 1918 Spanish flu and smallpox and the COVID. What is the difference between them? Because they were all very um, contagious and they took a lot of life. Well, I'm certainly no expert on that, but uh, <laughs> I, I think the big, the biggest difference I would say would not be in the in the disease, but the 1918 to 20 uh, Spanish flu, we didn't shut the country down, and there was no government help. And when people had somebody sick, they would quarantine in their homes. And so that, that to me, is the big difference, not counting any medical differences. Got it. All right. You know, you get you get challenged here, Richard. Different questions, different <laughs> comments. So you don't get a pass. Okay. Well, that's a we good have, question. That was a yeah, very good question. We got three minutes to go. Uh, if you can summarize in regards to uh, the books that you have written, uh, do you have a website that you can uh, for uh, readers to to if they want to go and, and purchase your your books. Yes, uh, my website is Richard Battle B A T T L E like a war dot com, and all the information about my speaking and books are there. And if you prefer Amazon, you can look me up as Richard B Battle. I have seven books, and people asked me before what my genre was, and it took me till about my sixth book to realize that my genre is what I call personal growth. It's not really a book genre because they want to pigeonhole it as self-help. But everything that I've put out is based on my personal experiences and then experiences of other people trying to share ideas that will benefit the reader. Definitely. The last thing I want to touch on is the, the, the future impact of human trafficking that is occurring in in Texas and also around the country and around the world. Oh wow, that uh, that is such a broad question because mm-hmm. there's there's an economic impact, uh, the slavery issue of some of those people who are sex trafficked, the people who are just brought in and paying money to get across the border is a whole separate issue. But there's a whole slavery and sex trafficking aspect mm-hmm. of this that's not getting the reporting it should. Mm-hmm. Especially especially with with the uh, the 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 coyotes and the cartels making so much money on them. Absolutely. Fourteen million dollars a day is what it's being reported and they are capitalist. Yeah, go ahead. No, no I finished I heard a sixty second warning. Oh, yeah, the 60-second warning, yeah. Anyway, I, I definitely uh, I appreciate you coming on. I think we've had a, a pretty n- good number of uh, of questions and comments. Uh, Mark, do you have a comment or question for Richard? Okay. 254, 654, final question for, for Richard. Um. The human trafficking, uh, is anybody really doing anything about it? Well, what a great question that is. 
Uh, I, I think some people will say they are, but I don't think enough's being done, and we can stop people coming, which would stop the supply of trafficked children and women. Definitely. All right. Fantastic show. Next week we'll have another great guest. Richard, thank you for coming. Thank you so much for having me. All right. God bless America, and we'll see each other next Thursday at the same time. Have a good night. God bless America. God bless.